0: morning everyone. How are you doing? Great. Now, sometimes God will give us what we can call like a life verse or a few life verses. What they are, there's a verse from the scripture that is very meaningful and like a guiding principle through a whole of our lives and often this verse comes back to us at key moments in our lives when we need the help of God, the wisdom of God, the guidance of God, or just to know that he is on it and got it covered. And sometimes there's a few. These verses don't always come to us in a moment when we start, but we, we notice over the course of our lives that God keeps bringing a particular verse or a number of verses back to us and we recognize maybe a little bit into our journey with walking with Jesus that oh my goodness uh, this is if God wants to get my attention he uses this set of verses or this particular verse so I have one and this is mine and this was given to me uh, God spoke to me through somebody else after I had just been baptized in water and then uh, prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding or rely on your own wisdom, some verses say. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him, obey him. And he will make your pathway straight. He will guide you. He will remove obstacles. He will, he will guide you in, the, in your pathway into his purposes. And this is the verse that God has given me. It's a guiding principle for me all the way through my life. And there have been many, many times that Sarah and I have had to trust God and do what he's asked us to do, but it just doesn't make sense and it doesn't... Uh, we can't figure it out what's going to happen or what's around the corner. And as we have done this, we have experienced miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I first became a Christian in 1982, and that's a long time ago for some of you. Uh, but, uh, but I've seen miracle after miracle. 28 years ago, I was sharing with the membership class last week that it was around about this time of year, 20 years 28 years ago that a Cornerstone Church started. I think it was 28, or it could be 29, but you know. But it was a long time ago. And I remember how God caused this church to start. And it started with us being led by God and trusting God to buy a house. I was looking outside of a window in 54 Gower Road, the house that we were renting. We actually couldn't afford to rent the house at that time. We were on a very low salary. I think it was 35 pounds, which was very low even for them. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money, and we certainly couldn't afford to buy a house. And the housing, the council were paying for our rent housing benefit. We had Rachel and Matthew, and we, uh, yeah, Matthew had just been born. Rachel was a little toddler too, and there I was looking out the window, and somebody put a for sale sign on the garden. At that moment, I heard in my heart from God that this was time to buy a house. I'm going to have to believe him for it, take a step of faith for it. It would be a house greater than I would, had faith for at the time, but I would have to trust him for it, to grow into it, and it would be a turning point for our ministry, and God would do something in our lives and through the ministry as we bought that house. So I turned to Sarah and said, Sarah, it's time to buy a house. And we went to um, see a man uh, about a mortgage, and we showed him our finances, and I'll never forget what he said. It was hugely encouraging. You wouldn't even get a mortgage on a garage. So we couldn't buy, we couldn't, didn't buy a house on what we could afford. We choose a house on what was suitable for what God wanted to do, what we believed he wanted to do and our next phase of ministry. And I remember walking into a particular house, not far from here, and where we started the church in Tlangevelich in Road, and as I walked in. That, that, that same word that God spoke to me as I was looking out the window, came to me and said, this is a house, greater than you belief. And I turned to Sarah, we were in the porch, and I said, we're going to buy this house. And God had said the same thing to Sarah. The only problem is, there is no way we could afford it. And we couldn't buy it on our own understanding because we just couldn't afford it. So we made an offer, and uh, I said last week uh, to the membership course, they accepted it for half price. Well, actually, as I was looking at the figures in this message, it was a little under half price, but it was, it was like a, um, a little over half price, sorry, it was a, but it was a ridiculously low figure that we got it for. So we were able to get a mortgage, and some of you are friends around there, um, uh, sort of remember that, don't you? And we started the church, and we moved into it around about the 10th of October, so around this time. And on the 5th of November we actually began to start the church with Rob who was leading the worship today and Tracy and, and, and a few others and it was just a handful of us in our front room and that's how we started. And what I, want to, what I want to bring to you today and I'm so glad that this was the theme of worship that I believe God was led to bring us in this morning is about this. God wants you to know That in all of life's uncertainty, your God is consistent and unchanging and a source of care and a source of provision and a source of guidance and a source of wisdom. And he is a firm foundation for you. And everybody in this world and everybody on this planet needs and wants stability and consistency to have security for our future. Security is a key foundation for our mental and our emotional well-being. And yet nobody and nothing in this world can offer it. Nothing can offer certainty and security. Everything we fix our eyes on is temporal, changing and we can't rely on it. But it's different with God God is different. <laughs> God says this. I am the Lord and I change not. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change. And in a world of, are we going to have a referendum? Are we going to have a election? Are we going to have a deal or is it going to be a no deal? What on earth is going on? What is going to happen to our economy? What is going to happen with our jobs? What is going to happen with our medicines? What is going to happen with our border controls? Are we still going to get free mobile data when we go on holidays? (laughs) The uncertainty is killing us. What is going on? But it says in 2 Corinthians. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen because what is but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary everything you can see and touch changes corrodes corrupts ends everything everything but what is unseen god is eternal it is the unseen reality that we put our trust in and this is going back to what Adam said this morning is vital because it demands a a renewal of the mind it says we have to think different We, we are brought up to think and trust in what is tangible and solid and certain but God says no The only thing that is solid and certain and is more tangible and real than anything, and it lasts forever, is me, who you cannot see. Change your mind and fix your eyes on what is certain and unchanging. So I want to share a story with you today from the scriptures about Elijah. And it demonstrates the way that God brings security into our lives despite change and uncertainty that's all around us the background of the story is in ancient history they turned away from worshiping god they turned away from worshiping the unseen god and they started worshiping idols that they could see made of wood and stone and one of them was called baal not like the stuff that you throw up with you know, but it was a god that they called baal and and they, they worshiped things that they could could be seen and it wasn't good for them. And in their worshipping festivals, the, they, the, the practices that would, went on would be absolutely gross and terrible, including child sacrifice. It was awful. And all of God's people had been caught up in this. And the whole of the nation of Israel was putting their trust in what could be seen, rather than what could be seen. And it was ruining their lives. And he says, I'm going to have to put an end to this. And he sent prophets time and time again to call them back but they didn't pay any attention so he sent Elijah to the king and to the queen and queen Jezebel was one of the uh, advocates and supporters of worship and she was promoting it and she raised up priests and prophets of idolatry all over the nation she hated Elijah and Elijah boldly walked into the palace and said to king Jezebel No, King Ahab and his queen Jezebel. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, there will be no rain on the land but by my word. And it will not return but by my word. And at that moment, the heavens dried up and a drought came to the land that was there to demonstrate that there was a power and a source that was in control of everything. Higher than what could be trusted in that you could see. But of course, now Elijah was the number one, most wanted man in Israel, and uh, he had to flee for his life. And they were all after him because if they got him, they weren't just after him to kill him. You see, they would ask; they were after him to torture him, and they would torture him until he actually prayed and reversed the situation to bring rain on the land. So they were out to get him. What do you do in this situation? Well, here's what happened to Elijah. Next slide, please. The word of the Lord came to Elijah Leave here and turn eastward and hide in the Kereth ravine, east of Jordan, and you will drink from the brook. Even though there's no rain coming from the sky, I'm going to give you rain. And I have directed ravens to supply food for you there. This is a miracle. Because ravens are like scavengers. They're like magpies. They steal and keep to themselves. And yet, here's, here's Elijah. He has to trust God. I mean, he had to lean not to his own understanding. He had to trust the eternal and invisible word of God and person of God for his safety and for his provision. Supply from unusual sources that just did not make sense but as he obeyed and as he trusted he found that God was faithful and brought a security he was hid there he was safe there he wasn't found there he wasn't got there they couldn't torture him there they couldn't capture him there but not only that for he was fed there and I think he was fed there for about 18 months and he, and God trusts and he trusted God and the key for your life and my life in uncertain times and certain times is to trust him and do what he says. And you will find as you trust him and do what he says, where it is r- r- the scriptures that we read daily or a whisper of the Holy Spirit that is endorsed and confirmed by scriptures and wise people around us, as we trust him, we will find that he will be faithful and he will provide, bless, guide, intervene in your situation and you will know the goodness of God in no matter what uncertain circumstances you face even though it may just not make sense or look impossible. And Elijah positioned himself so the ravens could drop meat to him every single day. Imagine that. Imagine if he'd thought to himself, this doesn't make sense. The ravens would be turning up, providing food, but he wouldn't be there to receive it. But because he obeyed and trusted, he was in the right place to receive God's intervention and security and provision into his life. There's another little bit to the story you see when we bought our house, just obedience, apart from the fact that it was a crazy thing to buy a house when you couldn't afford one. But also, when we walked into the house, the reason why we got it at nearly half price is because it was an absolute wreck of a place. Do you remember this, Rob? There was no central heating. There was dry rot. The windows were Victorian, and it rattled, and the coal just poured through it. We didn't have any hot water. The staircases all need to be changing. Even the floor that you walked into, the rooms needed to be dug up and changing. Everything, it was a total and complete wreck of a place. And the whole thing needed to be basically almost internally demolished from roof to flooring. And that is the case. And redone. So not only did we have, didn't have the money to buy it, we didn't have the money to refurbish it. And that's why we got it so cheap. Now, to the human understanding, and I, um, I'm really good at DIY. Do, uh, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hear me out. Destroy it yourself. You know, if I'm asked to drill something, <laughs> you know, don't ask me. I am useless at DIY. So I, I, there's, there's no way. This was way beyond my ability. And we couldn't get any, a builder in to fix it. So we moved in around the 10th of October. At the end of October, a fella walked up the garden path, knocked on the door, and said, are you Mr. Richards? No, Mr. Joseph. And I said, no, he's the last owner. He said, well, it doesn't matter. He's put your house on the list to have a grant done from the council. Now, the fella said, we've had an underspend of three million pounds. We've got to get rid of it by March. What do you want done? <laughs> yes, the whole house, and I'm, I'm saying this, from roof to floor, from ceiling to ceiling was totally refurbished, totally refurbished, even the outhouse in the garden. The whole thing was done up. If we hadn't a trusted God, lean not unto our understanding, we wouldn't have been in the right place for that provision to come. But God knew what was round the corner. We can trust in God who does not change. He is certain and he knows our future. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Submit to him in all your ways. The scripture, his word and His voice of spirit and he will make your pathways straight. And we see in this story, that's what Elijah did. But hey, you know, nothing lasts forever because it says in the next portion of the scripture of his story. Later, the brook dried up. There you go. You see, the thing about walking with God is he will provide for you in very human ways. But those human ways may dry up so that we don't trust in the human ways and the provision. But we look to the provider. Never look to the provision, even if it's from God. You look to the source. Because the brook dries up. We've got to always keep fixing our eyes upon him. And the brook dried up. And then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Seraph and stay there. I've directed a widow to supply food for you. Now this is a very interesting story. Because this widow was in the middle of a famine and a widow has nobody to provide for her or care for her she had a little son and he couldn't provide for her they'd been in the famine and all of her food had run out and she was just out to make get some sticks and she had a little bit of oil and a little bit of bread and she was going to make that last bit of food and she says this was my last meal and then I'm going to die So God sends Elijah from the brook, which is drying up, to the places where the ravens came and dropped the meat. Now to a widow who actually physically does not have any resources to actually sustain her own future, let alone Elijah. And Elijah said to this woman... Give me a little bit of food. And she says, you what? <laughs> this is, this is uh, Hebrew. You know? <laughs> this is my paraphrase. You what? You must be crazy. I've only got a little bit of bread and a little bit of oil. I'm going to make it and it's our last one, And then we're going to die. I haven't got anything to feed you. And then Elijah says this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love that. But first make me a small loaf of bread for me. From what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run out. Until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she had a choice here. And it's a very interesting choice. She could have said no. I'm not going to give you out of the little I've got. Because my life depends upon it. And if I give that away, I'm going to die. So she could have tried to preserve her own security and well-being and life. But that would have been her death sentence. Because there was nothing coming after that. There was no practical means of her being able to get more food. But as she trusted the word of God... As she fed the prophet, as she gave herself, and what this represents, by the way, is the work of God on the earth. It's the word of God. He spoke, Elijah spoke, the word of God. He represents the word and the kingdom and the rule and the advance of God's work on earth. And as as she gave herself to the work of God first, the advance of his kingdom and his work and his well-being in that nation, Elijah says, do you know what? It won't be your death sentence. It will be your life-giving resource. Because if you do that, God will ensure that the bread and the oil doesn't run out. And this is true of what Scripture says. Jesus says this, when people are worrying what we're going to eat, and what we're going to wear, and how we're going to survive, and how we're going to pay our bills, and what if Brexit happens? And what do we leave the old deal? And what if the economy goes down? And blah, blah, blah. he says this: Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things that you're worried about will be provided for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. The ways of God and the purposes of God and the will of God and the work of God to advance where you are and in your home and in your street and in your workplace and in your community and in your nation and in the nation. Seek first the kingdom of God first in your own life and advancing around you and his righteousness and all that you need will be provided for you. He he reaffirmed this with the Lord's Prayer. We pray it so regularly, but never really think about what we're praying. He says this, first phases of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I want your will and your work and your way to come in my life and through my life to others, and that's the first part of the prayer. Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth now. Through me. And then it says this. And give us our daily bread. Do you notice what comes first? Lord let my prayers and my life bring in your kingdom first. And I can fully rely on you to give me my daily bread. Daily bread represents the very things that you need. To survive and be sustained. On earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Don't be afraid. First, make some bread and give it to the prophet that which represents the work of God on the earth, the word and the work of God on the earth. Give it first and you'll be provided for. And it's talking about giving our lives over to the purposes of God first before anything else and trusting him not leaning to our own understanding. Not relying on our own wisdom. Not oh, what if, but, oh, I, oh, I don't know about this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Involve him in all your ways. His will in all your ways. And he will make your pathway straight. Okay, she says. <laughs> I've got the message. And she does it. And she gets her miracle, and her and her son survive and Then, from there, Elijah leaves that place and goes up to the mountain of Mount Carmel, and in Mount Carmel, he brings all he summons the whole of Israel to come to it, and he summons all the priests of the idolatry movements of Israel, and King Ahab and Jezebel, the murderous priestess of bile is there and he says now we're going to have a competition woohoo god likes a good competition make an altar he says to them pour water on it no it's no actually it says make an altar and then you call upon the name of your god and whoever answers by fire that'll settle it where we're going to call down fire from heaven. And in this drought, if fire comes down from heaven and burns up your sacrifice and your altar, then worship the God of Baal. But if when I pray, fire comes down from heaven, then you'll know that my God is the Lord. And they're all going, ooh, brought the sandwiches. This is going to be a great day. So, first of all, first half, the, the, the priests, the idolatrous priests build their altar and they're, they're, just, they're cutting themselves and chanting and doing all their occultic practices and nothing happens at all. And then Elijah at noonday steps up to set aside boys and he says, get some water. I don't know where they got the water from. Get some water and they pour it all over the altar. No, get some more, pour it. it says, dig a ditch. You know, a bigger ditch. No, a bigger ditch, a real ditch. Come on. You know, a Mars bar sized ditch, dig one. And then he put, fill it up with water and the whole thing is drenched with water. And he says in front of everybody, now Lord, answer my prayer according to your word. And he prays and calls down fire from heaven. And fire comes from heaven and licks up all of the altar and the wood and the offering and consumes it all. And all of Israel fall on the floor and says, the Lord is God, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And Queen and Queen Jezebel, she is furious, and she looks at Elijah and says, "May the Lord be ever so severe with me, if you are not dead by, uh, you know, before morning." And he goes, oh, "I'm in trouble now." And he prays one more time for rain. And then rain comes, a mighty torrent of rain comes and the drought is over because now all of Israel are turned back to the Lord. And Elijah legs it for his life. And he goes and sits under a broom tree. And after all the, I think it was about three years or so all in together, uh, I think it was, but after all of the time when he's hiding and he's, trusting God and he's in the desert and then he's threatened by Jezebel and the exhilaration and the fear that he must have felt at times of this big scene and what if it doesn't happen? (laughs) He, He goes and sits under this broom tree and he is absolutely exhausted and then he thinks to himself and Jezebel still is trying to kill me and he gets depressed. I mean, he is so exhausted, he gets depressed and that can often happen after a very long period of stress and exhilaration, and the adrenaline is pumping for a long time, and you sit down and you 're exhausted and tired, and you haven 't eaten for ages, and you 're on the run, and you feel frightened and you 're running scared, and our emotions kick in, our brains don 't think right, we start thinking negative thoughts rather than taking our eyes off God and onto what 's going on, and affects our emotions, and we become depressed and This is what Elijah said i 've had enough." <laughs> Lord, I've had, I've had enough. Take my life. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to do the washing up or the laundry or the housework or the grass or the maintenance. I just want to sit down here in front of the telly and give up. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate and drank. And the combination of rest and eating restored and recovered him for the next journey. Very practical. But the food was provided by an angel. And this is what I love about the Lord. And let this be something of encouragement as I begin to close this morning. When Elijah was at his best and he went with boldness and courage as a mighty prophet of God right into the courts of Ahab and the queen in the place of threat and he thundered out those words, surely as the Lord lives, there shall be no rain on earth By my word, I mean goodness me, that is, you are firing on full cylinders when you are moving in that level of spiritual authority. That was a great place. And then he heard God and God provided for him. And and, and, yeah. And then he moves up to the widow and he is tender but authoritative and he calls out a miracle from the desperate place which is and I mean again his levels of hearing from God his relationship with God this spiritual place was was red hot and he says do you know what give it to me and you will not go without and then he goes up to Mount Carmel I mean now he's at the pinnacle of his career it's all been building up to this and he calls fire down from heaven oh you know can you imagine you might go oh God that was good (laughs) You know, you know. and then he, then he prays and a mighty you know the rain comes in force and power just by his word I mean this man and you notice know, how God provided for him and was with him powerfully but at the best at his very best he gets fed by ravens and then he gets fed by the hands of a widow who made him bread but this is what I love At his worst, when he's kind of having a whinge and a complaint, and he's moaning at God, and he's in a bad place, and he's depressed, and he wants to give up, and he wants to quit, and he wants to go home, and he blames, and he says, I'm the only one left, and he wasn't the only prophet who was still serving God, but he thought he was, and he had a real self pity party and a right moan at God and all those around him. God fed him with the hand of an angel. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's great to be fed by ravens. Wow, a great story. I tell that a few times. Be great to be fed by a, a, a jar and oil that never runs out by the hand of a widow, but to be fed, to have bread baked for you by an angel, to have the bread of heaven fed to you and water provided by an angel. That is another level. But God, in his love and in his tenderness, did that for him at his very, very worst moment. It was not a highlight in his career as a prophet, but God. But it was a highlight in his relationship in knowing the tenderness and the compassion of God. And God will feed you with the bread of heaven, his living word, his living life, his living presence and living goodness, even at your worst moment. On holiday recently, August, I went into holiday and uh, I was really tired. And a number of concerns had built up within me that I wasn't even aware of, if I'm honest for you. I can reflect back and I can realise how concerned and pressured I had become. And it's because New One Cymru, the national network of, I'm leading in Wales, and is going really, really well. And, the, and it's like God is moving at such a pace, it's difficult to keep up with him. I mean, it's really, you know, it's amazing, but it, it, it's, it's exhausting uh, and Cornerstone is doing really well and it's growing. And you think, well, Kate, how, how do we, you know, serve God in the growth and help everybody feel a part and family and feel a meaningful part and a meaningful surface and, it, and, and a meaningful role. And it demands stretching and restructuring and replanning and all of those things. And God is blessing and with it comes its own leadership challenges. Let's put it that way. And then, I got two weddings coming up. (laughs) Woohoo. And you think, great. (laughs) And and that demands, that has its own challenge in all of the fun and the celebration. And then, as you know, that just before Matthew got engaged to Precious, you got ill, and seriously ill with cancer. And through the years, seeing your son and This beautiful, 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 lovely girl have to go through all this treatment and the uncertainty of all that. And the pain of it, the pain of it, and the joy and the pain all together. And then on the top of that, my parents, my father's got vascular dementia, he's 19, my mum's got Alzheimer's. Just remember who you are. Every, nearly every day, we're getting a phone call. There's a problem down there, and we've got to sort it. And after canceling so many camp ministry trips, I can't go on because I have to be available for parents. And when you do go away, it's like a military operation, organizing care. And thank you for so many people who step in and help. And it's not like now and again, this is every day and every night, you know. And often I'll get a call at 11 o'clock at night and I have to go down and sort it out. So I come to the holiday. And I sit down, and all of these concerns have built up, and I didn't even realize it. You ever felt that way? You become concerned about something, and you not, don't even realize it, because one of them on their own, you can deal with. And because you can deal with them all, but it's the, it's, the, it's the many things that have been built up. So I sat down, and what I love to do on holiday is uh, spend more time reading my Bible and longer in prayer, because I, I, I don't have to go to a meeting, I've got more time. So I open my Bible, and it landed on, just landed on one of my life verses. One of the things that God spoke to me. See, when God spoke to me as a new Christian, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The first thing He says is, "Do not worry. Trust in the Lord." And then it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart." Went on, and then I open my Bible, and it landed on Psalm thirty-seven and in the new living translation my eyes fell on it i didn't even turn to it just opened up and the new living translation it said this do not worry trust in the lord and as soon as i read those verses it was like bread and water from heaven suddenly all the concern evaporated and i just felt a massive relief and i didn't know how concerned I was until that moment. Have you ever experienced that? And it was just a massive relief. And I said that to say this. God will feed you, guide you, lead you, bless you into great things when you are really on top. But he will feed you with the bread of heaven. And he will step into your circumstances even when you don't even know that you need him to but because you're at your worst. And he will feed you, bless you, guide you, comfort you, be kind to you and good to you, resource you, renew you, strengthen you, restore you there. Why? Because he's good. And what do he require of us is this. Trust him and obey him, trust him, obey him.